White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Red Echo, Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox, a special Saturday edition of Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. With me is Chris Tannehill. Chris, how's the Saturday treating you? Oh, it's Saturday in my basement. <laughs> um, and also, this is episode number, what episode is it, Herb? It's number... 83. Finally, we've hit the milestone here, uh, even though we've done way more episodes than uh, than just 83. But finally, we can uh, officially, as we approach closer to finally a Sox jersey number that we can talk about in the next episode, yay, 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 uh, turn the mailbag episode. Uh, but it's episode 83, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the new voice of the White Sox radio broadcast, Len Casper. will tell you why he made the move to jump from the Cubs to the Sox, what we think about the move. You'll also hear him in his own words on what this job means to him and what this does for the profile of the organization as a whole. And also, uh, Len Casper takes a shot at yours truly. So you'll hear all that in this episode. But 83 today, Herbie, and you guys hear us play the soundbite all the time. Some of you, most of you know, I think, the history of it from listening to the score. But in case you don't, there used to be a TV program on uh, NBC Sports Chicago. Back then, it was Comcast Sportsnet. It was called gas money and then later on they called it beer money once they got a sponsor uh but they it was a quiz show like a trivia game show where they'd go out to a bar and interview just a random person at the bar and ask them trivia questions and they'd get uh gas money they just give them cash on the spot for gas or whatever and uh luke stuckmeyer was the host of the show back then and he's moved on uh, but he is the godfather of 83 nation uh and he uh stumbled upon this contestant and it created uh what Turned out to be just radio bit magic and television magic. Here it is. Clark is from Des Plaines. He's going to try his hand at Bears trivia. Here we go, Clark. You ready? Yes. All right. $10 question. In what <laughs> year time. did the Bears clinch the NFC North in a Christmas Day game against the Packers? 83. 2005. <laughs> Thanks for playing, though. Yeah, so we never like found the guy. Like there was rumors that people knew the guy, but no one ever got a hold of him. And you know, I don't know why his voice was like that. So I'm, I'm assuming uh, he's probably not with us anymore. I hope he is. Uh, God bless him. But yeah, he just he created that moment in time right there. And every time you hear the number eighty-three, uh, people will tweet at me to this day. And that was about seven or eight years ago when they aired that clip. So, and, and a matter of fact, today. Uh, do you follow Pee Wee Herman on Twitter, Herbie? <laughs> I happen to not. That's <laughs> okay, weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, Pee Wee Herman today tweeted this. Today would have been Large Marge's 83rd birthday if it hadn't been for that wreck. And he had mm. the photo of Large Marge's uh, memorial in the movie Pee Wee's Big Adventure. You ever see that movie? 
I've seen it multiple times. <laughs> yeah, that's so one of my no no basement in the Alamo. I learned that <laughs> absolutely. It's one of my favorite movies as a kid, and it's just so weird that today, the day of our eighty third episode, uh, Pee Wee Herman tweeted that uh, beautiful sentiment about Large Marge. So uh, actually, uh, while we're at it, Len Casper uh, was uh, he is in, uh, one of the highest ranking members in eighty three Nation. This is a clip from uh, the old Dan and Terry show, Boars and Bernstein, back in the day. I will do my best for uh, Mr. Tannehill to make sure I pause. Whenever I refer to <laughs> nineteen, <laughs> come on, eighty-three. Cole Hamels, the no-hitter day here at Wrigley Field. You go to two days after that, and since then the Cubs are sixty and twenty-three in their last eighty-three regular season games. Eighty-three. Len's a winner right there. He's a good sport. He appreciates a good radio bit. He's a radio guy. We'll get to that in a second, but uh, just uh, yeah, that's episode eighty-three for you for for you in a nutshell but let's take it back a little bit so we did our two episodes on thursday night uh, and we talked about the tender non-tenders and whatever the hell else we talked about the new coaching staff and then as soon as i post the the two episodes uh, you know one to schedule yesterday that came out people started replying to the tweet from the locked on socks twitter account that's at locked on socks on twitter and instagram if you want to give us a follow it'd be great and people kept replying to my post saying, Len Casper, Len Casper, you talk about Len Casper, and I was like, oh my God, did Herb or I say something disparaging about Len Casper in this episode? <laughs> like, I was like, oh, what, what could I have possibly done here? Uh, but so, you know, no one linked me to the article, so I went back on Twitter, and I found this tweet from Sahadev Sharma, who reports uh, for The Athletic on the Chicago Cubs, Thursday night, 10.54 p.m., very late in the evening. Uh, Sahadev had this along with the story at The Athletic. I expected some big departures from the Cubs this offseason, but this one came as a shocker. Sources have confirmed to The Athletic that Len Casper is leaving the Cubs to take the White Sox radio play-by-play job. So Len Casper joining the likes of Bob Elson, Milo Hamilton early in his career, Harry Carey, Lauren Brown, Jimmy Pearsall, Joe McConnell, John Rooney, and Ed Farmer, which we'll get to in a second, and now Len Casper. Herb, what was your initial reaction when you saw the tweet on Thursday night announcing Len Casper to the White Sox. It didn't make sense. Um, the Cubs TV job is probably one of the most coveted jobs in our profession, in that profession. So to go from big time TV of one of the m- most marketable teams in the nation to the same city, but to the radio side, it, I, it didn't make sense. Just off first blush, just reading it, I was like, he's coming to the White Sox. I, you know, we're all White Sox fans listening to this, of course. So, you know, we have a certain inferiority complex. Uh, if we don't, then we're not living in reality. And then I read the actual article where Lynn pretty much, or they speculated that Lynn wanted to move to radio because of his desire to call a World Series, you know. And you know what better team than getting on this White Sox bandwagon? And when they're switching stations, so I think most people think that it's the team that does the call and they have a lot of input. But I think in the experience that we've had, it's the radio station that does most of the calling in that regard. So it's Bob. It's uh, um, not Bob Graham, not anymore because he's retiring. Yes. So it is uh, Brooks Boyer and those people, along with the people at ESPN 1000. And that also shocked me that they would pony up enough money for it had to be TV money for Lynn to move from TV to radio. And, you know, 
good on us. As a White Sox fan, I love Andy Mazur, but I thought his broadcasts were, you know, just typical, fine, nothing special. And, um, you know, we are both DJ fans, so yeah, we'll that get was to, 100%. Yeah. And so that's, I mean, I love him. You you know, I'm, and this this is the thing. This is the way you get the test of the White Sox fans. The people who hated Lynn Casper that whole time he's coming, coming, covering Cubs baseball, and now they're all pom-poms and, cheer, and you know, shaking the pom-poms. Come on now. You got to be consistent. This is why you got to be consistent because you never know when somebody on another team playing or broadcaster can come to your favorite team, and now you got to cheer for that person. So I've always liked Lynn. I like the style, and I'm happy he's over with the White Sox. Yeah, you know, Len's a good guy. He's a great guy, actually, and a great broadcaster, and that's why I love the move so much. But, you know, to your point about DJ, you know, uh, you know, Ed and him had a, had a certain chemistry that was hard. Mm-hmm. It must have been hard for Andy Mazur to come step in. You know, he was the third guy for the, uh, 2019, and Ed had some uh, some of his health issues that he later succumbed to in 2019, so Andy was in the booth quite a bit. But he was also in that spot where the third guy in the booth would slide in for an inning or two, and, you know, with Ed, like, you know, he, Ed really never sat out any innings. You know what I mean? Like, they just kind of went mm-hmm. straight through. Uh, you know, he would, like, not do the play-by-play in certain innings, but with, then he would let DJ do it, even though it was it never made sense to us. It was like, okay, DJ's doing the play-by-play, so Ed could get a break. But then you'd hear Ed chiming in, commentating on DJ's play-by-play. <laughs> you know, it's a testament to how much they liked each other and how much they love radio and doing the broadcast. But that had to have been tough for Andy Mazur to slide in for the void of, of Ed Farmer, just from just from a White Sox historical perspective, what guys are used to listening to. I mean, Ed was on the broadcast for you know almost thirty years at that point, and you know people people loved Ed, and we'll get to Len's thoughts on that in a second. But it, it could not have been easy for Andy. It could not have been easy for DJ. You know, uh, to, to to be in that spot and try to build this chemistry all all over again. And DJ was still himself. I believe Darren is one of the best color analyst in the business. I think he's got a great personality. He's got a great baseball acumen. He can translate and explain things clearly for, for the average person so they can see what's going on in the field. Uh, when they can't see it, they hear it on the radio. And then also he's not as scared to be critical of the team when it needs to be done and that's in those situations. DJ will rip the team as much as anyone will because we've talked about it before. Like DJ has baseball sensibilities as a former player, and when you offend those sensibilities, he's going to call you out. So DJ mm-hmm. is still top-tier color analyst, and I'm so glad that he's got a, a polished, experienced veteran like Len Casper who now – at the age of 50 or he's almost 50 he's got this newfound enthusiasm for a new chapter of his career that he hasn't experienced in quite a long time and he's going to be able to call the radio broadcast now which was his lifelong dream but you know it could not have been easy for Andy Mazur the past couple seasons trying to fill uh, the void of, of Ed even while Ed was still with us then afterwards you know it, was, it, it wasn't easy from the times I listened like they, they tried their best to establish a little chemistry you know, uh, but it just it just wasn't quite the same, and I don't know if they ever found their rhythm. But Andy's going to catch on somewhere. I don't know if he'll do the the pre and post on one thousand, or if they've probably got someone in house. But Andy can can do radio play by play for any team in the country, honestly. So mm-hmm. he's polished, and he'll be able to catch on somewhere. And we certainly hope he does. Maybe you know, stay with the White Sox in some capacity. But yeah, but this is a great move. If you love the White Sox and if you love the White Sox radio broadcast, and this is this puts the White Sox radio broadcast up there 
with one of the best in the country already, in my opinion, without having to hear mm-hmm. one inning of them uh, doing it together. Because I know Len's a professional, and he's you know meticulous, you know, in his preparation as well as DJ is, and we know DJ likes to have fun, and Len likes to have fun too, and hopefully DJ can bring even a little bit more out of Len. I think he can, because uh, DJ sometimes like in those road trips to Seattle, you know, after they get their coffee and them, DJ will be bouncing off the walls up there, <laughs> and so Len's gonna have to match that energy a little bit. But I, I'm looking forward to that part of it. But this is just a slam dunk move for the White Sox, and I'm so happy for Len. And uh, I texted him the the night the news broke, and he was kind enough to get back to me. But I just told him like, you know, is just as a Sox fan, as a, and as someone who's a fan of of you, Len, like this is just such a great move for everyone involved. And it was just shocking. Like these things don't happen in broadcasting because these jobs. Uh, you know, we had Mike McCarthy, the uh, the the head of Marquee, on the score yesterday, and they were talking about what it was like to lose Len, and he said, you know, radio jobs like this, they they move along like icebergs. You know, guys, you have to wait sometimes 20, 30 years, and you'll see mm-hmm. guys who wait next to someone who may be retiring. You know, they'll 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 take a job somewhere knowing that okay, I may have my shot in as little as a year or two, or it could take who knows 10 20 years like I think about Wayne Randazzo going over to New York to work with the great Howie Rose Mm -hmm. and it's a it's a great spot because everyone's like oh you know who knows what's going to happen with Howie Rose like you know he still loves doing it but now Wayne and Howie do it together and they were there for some of the great Mets moments over the past couple years so uh, we may talk about Wayne a little bit later on, you know, as as things open up for the Cubs booth, because there's a lot of people that we know that are going to be in the mix for that TV mm-hmm. gig, and I would, you know, love to see Wayne get a shot at that. But this is it's just a great move, man, and I'm looking forward to hearing Len and DJ together in the booth uh, coming uh, coming this uh, coming season, man. And uh, speaking of Ed, we we mentioned Ed. You know how much we love Ed dearly, and if if you're new to this podcast, Herb and I did White Sox broadcasts on the radio for many years, and we worked. Uh, I don't know, I guess thousands of games uh, combined with Ed and DJ, and he's one of our favorite people ever, and uh, losing him this year is one of the many uh, gut punches in 2020. But I thought it was so awesome the way Len Casper began his press conference yesterday. He did a Zoom chat with the media in Chicago to, to announce uh, his his new deal with the White Sox, and Brooks Boyer was there, and Len began his, his thoughts by talking about the late great Ed Farmer. Before I start, uh, I want to echo... Uh, Brooks's comments about uh, Farmio, who uh, w- w- was a great friend to me, uh, incredibly supportive, uh, and so welcoming. Uh, I, I never did a, a Cubs-White Sox game uh, during which I wasn't invited uh, into the radio booth. Uh, anything you need, you let me know. We've got food, we've got soda, we've got water in the back. I mean, just just the <laughs> sweetest guy. And um, uh, I, I think about him a lot. And and. You know, moving forward, we're going to do everything we can to, to honor uh, his legacy uh, in the Sox radio booth. Yeah, so Len's been given the Ed Farmer treatment. Uh, Len, have a cookie. Like, you know, the, just go, one? Yeah, just one, Len? Come on. You know, Ghostface Killer would talk about the medallions the size of dinner plates. Those cookies up there in the broadcast level were the size of dinner plates as well. So, Len, you know, he's been a part of the Ed Farmer experience, and that that certainly warmed my heart listening to that. And so he, he gets it. Like, you know, he gets the vibe up there, and he's going to slide in perfectly. But, you know, you may be asking why – uh, would Len Casper do this? You know, he's jumping, he's taking a step down as far as profile from TV to radio, but also, let's be honest, the Cubs, one of the most popular franchises in baseball, the Sox, you know, their, their market share is not as big, but we know you guys are as passionate as anyone. But why 
would Len take this gig? And you said it earlier, he wants to be able to call a World Series game on the radio. And he, he talked about it you know, on the score yesterday, and we'll get to something he said about me later on. But just the, the fact that when you're a TV broadcaster, think about Hawk in 2005 and Jason Benetti this year. We can actually cite someone <laughs> differently because of the White Sox being in the playoffs this year. But when you, when you do all the games for a team, you travel with the team, and you're in the playoffs and you call if you're lucky enough to call a division clincher and and Len didn't get a chance to call division clinchers in 07 and 08 because I think the Cubs had national games so there's even that part of it too right when your team is on a national broadcast and on a day of a week like on a Fox Saturday or an ESPN Sunday something you don't get to call those games as a local TV play-by-play guy so you miss out on many opportunities and then if you're lucky enough to get into the postseason then they just take you away from it. And the radio call is the only call that you'll get that's local. And so a broadcaster puts in so much time and effort preparing for these games and, and being with the team every day, and then they can't experience the great moments like they like you have available to you once the playoffs started. And with the Cubs, it was a World Series. And you know Len was a part of our radio broadcast on 670, but it was only an inning or two at a time. You know, Pat Hughes, the great Pat Hughes, does the radio play-by-play for the score and – but, you know, Len could only do an inning or two, and then he would help out and do stuff on the field just to try to get as close as he possibly could. But when you're a play-by-play man, that's your dream to announce a World Series, and that just was not on the table for the Cubs because of his position on television. And maybe on the radio side it would have been, but look, they're, they're tearing things down up there, so maybe that's part of it too. But why did Len Casper decide to do this? You'll hear why in his own words after this quick timeout. In this clip here, uh, and Herb has not heard this yet, so I'm glad I get to play this form for the first time, but this is Len talking about what it means to him to be able to call games on the radio and his connection with his uh, upbringing as, as, a, as a child and as a broadcaster listening to the great Ernie Harwell, who did Tigers games for many years. I'm uh, living in a 49-year-old and soon-to-be 50-year-old body, uh, somewhat fit, somewhat broken down at times after uh, running six or seven miles. But uh, speaking to you today is, is the 12-year-old Len Casper. And uh, this is emotional for, for a lot of reasons. Um, when I was 12, I, I wanted to be Ernie Harwell. And uh, we lost Ernie about 10 years ago. And uh, wow, I didn't expect this. <laughs> Ernie was the hero who became a mentor and a good friend. And uh, if I have one regret today, it's that uh, when I got the Marlins job, I got a handwritten letter from Ernie. And uh, when I got the Cubs job, I got a phone call from Ernie. And um, you just, you don't know how much that means uh, to somebody like me. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about you too today, Ernie. Um, I wanted to paint the picture of the great game of baseball on the radio like he did for me growing up. I want to call postseason games. I want to be behind the microphone to call a World Series. 
just great stuff right there. And I remember listening to the great Ernie Harwell when my parents would take me up to Michigan and I'd have a little radio up there and listening to him. Like he was outstanding and you hear a lot of broadcasters speak so reverently towards him. You know, John Morosi, JP Morosi, who is a, a native of Michigan, talks about Ernie a lot. It's part of the culture when when you grow up in Michigan. So it means a lot, you know, to do baseball on the radio and Ernie did it by himself. It was just him with no no color analysts, I believe. So it means a lot, but I, what my takeaway from that is a guy who realizes he, he's, st- you know, happiness above all. And I know you could speak to that a little bit, like, you know, with your transitions in life, moving from the West Coast and then back, like you can't really put a price on your happiness professionally and personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's uh, a thing that I think people have to realize for themselves before, you know, they actually know it. You know, you could say it, but like, yeah, um, being in San Diego, awesome. I mean, I would still live there, but, you know, family comes, you know, only around once. So and to be in San Diego, that's all I was thinking about. Like, man, I'm just going to be in San Diego. If something happens to mom, sister, grandmother, and it's going to be like, man, I could have been spending this time with them and I can be in San Diego anytime I want to. So, yeah, you can't put any type of price or anything on how you really, truly feel inside. And it doesn't matter how the perception is and the feeling is you got to do what you got to do. And if this was what Lynn felt in his heart, like it seems like a downshift to me, but also, you know, the reason it's, he wants to be on that call. And like you were talking about, he's in the booth for the white, the Cubs winning the world series in 2016. Cause he helped out with our broadcast here at the score, but he's not making that call. He's not, you know, he's not, enjoying what he as a 12 year old kid dreamt of now he sees the white Sox trajectory and he wants to be there he wants to be there he knows they're going to be there in this world series so he wants to at least not have any regrets on his life when he is uh, put to put to bed and it's all over and he's like okay i did everything i wanted not just the cubs job and not just stay there because it's a prestigious job I got to do me and he does him. And that's, that's really, really uh, admirable to see somebody do that. Now the white Sox broke him off and ESPN 1000 broke him off. So it's not like he's, you know, in the poorhouse. but perception is definitely that it's a step down from where he was. Even if he took the TV job for the white Sox, which he wouldn't do because Jason's there, it would have been a step down. I was thinking in his heart of hearts, maybe like you were talking about earlier, you would just wait out a retirement from Pat Hughes. He's a little long in the tooth, maybe a couple more years. You just like, okay, I'll be the Cubs radio guy. But you know, that opportunity was presented to him. And, and by the reports, it was pretty fast. It was like, this is open. Do you want it? And he snatched it and he took it. And, and I hope he has no regrets that he took this job. And he's going to go forward for the next, hopefully 25 years of his career and retire with a couple White Sox World Series calls. Yeah, man, Jerry Reinsdorf's got to finish it off. You do it, do it for Len. Do it for your fan base. Everyone sees what's what's brewing here. You got to finish this thing off and bring in some top tier free agents and, and round out this roster. We've been saying it all off season and even late uh, in the season last year. But yeah, do it for for everyone who knows how special this thing can be. And uh, it just you know it, it goes to show you like Len thinks it's a special thing brewing here too. And you know who knows what would have happened in two or three years, maybe five years, like you know. 
you know, Pat Hughes like loves his job and you know he's still happy and healthy and who knows how long how long Len would have to wait for that gig but also sometimes like do you want to wait around you know like the Cubs could be facing you know the, the middle of a rebuild by five years from now you know or at the tail end of it and you know Len's seen the 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 the, the plateau the, you know the, the highest point in the mountain you know for Cubs baseball and you know sitting around and, and waiting for it to, to turn back around again after it's you know looks like it's on its way down here maybe he doesn't want to wait for that and it just goes to show you where people see the White Sox now and, and I'll ask you and kind of lockstep to that argument but how do you think this raises the profile of, for the organization on a national perspective this can only uh, provide good things right oh my goodness yeah like it's you keep on getting reestablished and reaffirmed your beliefs that the White Sox are coming like all these things and while we don't like Tony La Russa as the manager of the White Sox the fact that a Hall of Famer manager comes back from retirement nine years after he uh, managed to do this job is a huge statement, firstly. Secondly, we've already spoke about Lynn. He goes from the highest point of Cub baseball, broadcasting-wise, to the second tier of White Sox, the radio. And we're radio guys. We know TV is more coveted than radio. It doesn't mean it's worse. It's just the second tier. The fact that he wanted to be that, like he saw the opportunity and they offered him, the fact that they had the gumption, the balls to say, you know what, we can go and get Lynn Casper from across the aisle and say, come on to our radio gig and he will accept it and he is accepting it with glee. <laughs> and so this is amazing. And I hope free agents and baseball are like, yeah, I want to be there. I like, a couple of years ago, we were trading for Lance Berkman, and I think he said, no, I will not go play for that team. I think that's the story. I'll check yeah, it out. Yeah, that, that sounds here. right, yeah. He did not want to play for the White Sox. And if I recall correctly, too, Jake Peavy had to be persuaded to come play for here and waive his no-trade clause. All these things, like that whole perception of White Sox with the National and with the MLB free agents, that's been going on for a while now. And... I think that might be melted down. Hopefully, these guys are like, yeah, that's where I want to be. I know I'm going to be in the playoffs with those guys. I want to be over there. Michael Brantley, Trevor Bauer, whoever, <laughs> George Springer. They're like, yes, that's a destination. They could offer me money, and I want to be there. Like last year, we lost out to the Phillies for Wheeler services because his wife wanted to be closer to the family. Like, we don't know about planes and shit. That type of stuff <laughs> – we're losing to the Phillies. We're offering more money. I think those days are over, hopefully. I hope so, too, and I think they will be. Uh, if I still had to bet, I, I think they will spend some money because they're, they're, they're doing everything else uh, on the exterior uh, surrounding the roster, everything else to prop up everything, to, to, to raise the, the, the platform of this whole organization. They're doing everything else in, in that regard. You know, uh, people – you know, may see the Tony La Russa thing outside of how we see it. Like people see, oh, Tony La Russa Hall of Famer. Like that, that's kind of crazy. Like you know, so who knows how other people p perceive that? But I think people are looking at the White Sox as, as an organization on the rise, and I I'm so excited for Len to be a part of it. And you know, just it's it's amazing. Like I don't know, I don't think you have the same sort of connection with the White Sox radio, you know, just history as I do. But I, I certainly grew up listening to a lot 
of John Rooney and Ed Farmer when I was a kid driving around with my parents, my grandparents. It seemed like it was always on. And I, I'm the type, I always have to have some kind of noise in, in the background. If it's Even when the socks are off, I'll have like a radio broadcast in my, in my headset as I'm doing stuff around the house, listening to a podcast or a baseball game or doing uh, you know doing the lawn, mowing the lawn. I'll, I'll have a broadcast on. So I, I love baseball on the radio as a companion. And and now I could say, like, I could probably, you know, check out half the game on the radio, half on TV, and you're not going to miss anything. It's going to be the same level of excellence with Jason Benetti, Steve Stone, and with Len Casper, Darren Jackson. Like, you're, it's not going to fall off at all, and that that's pretty exciting, man. And they're going to have a little cross-pollination where they're going to, you know, do some wife-swapping, and, you know, uh, Benetti and, 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 uh, and Len are going to do a podcast, and they're also going to do some games together. And so, yeah, these guys are all going to be working together, so I'm looking forward to that aspect, too. It helps keep things fresh in a 162-game season. So uh, it's just a great move for the White Sox, and, and I can't wait to hear how Len and DJ sound in 2021. But just quickly here on the way out, you know, it's okay – uh, Sox fans to, to jump on the Len Casper bandwagon. You kind of saw, you mentioned it earlier, but the reaction of Cubs fans to hearing this news and seeing the, the, the posts on social media, it was not a good one. They love Len Casper. You know, and so White Sox fans should see that. And, and maybe you're a, a Cubs hater and you hate everything about them and you hate Len Casper because you associate him with all the positive moments. But uh, let that go. But uh, Len probably sees me uh, as one of those bandwagon people that are now coming to him saying we've loved you for a long time. Here's what Len said about me on the score on Friday. The friends you make throughout your career and your life, like they're going to be there no matter where you work. That's the way I, I feel, and, and I feel that you guys and, and Shep and you know, Tanny, Tanny was a little lukewarm about me all along, and now all of a sudden I'm his best friend, but whatever. Um, That's the new radio voice bebopping and scatting all over me, man. Not cool at all. <laughs> that's great yeah it was awesome yeah but yeah len you know I, I texted him thursday night i said look man you're gonna be you know this is before he had his his press conference that you're gonna be the ernie harwell for a generation of white Sox fans as they grow up and grow old with the team and you're gonna grow in, into that role and you're gonna be that dude for them for for their baseball consuming lives you know so that that just it's crazy that's why that's why he's here with the white Sox now so i just again i just can't wait to hear it and he should have an exciting team to, to, to call games for. So that's all I got today, Herbie. Just wanted to get that out there because, you know, we haven't seen shocking broadcast news like this in a long time. But the White Sox now are going to have one of the best TV and radio broadcast combinations in all of baseball. And it's a beautiful thing. Things are looking up for us on the south side. It's great times. And to finish off the Berkman story, I looked it up. 2010, the White Sox had worked out a deal with Berkman who rejected the trade. And then Kenny Williams said, he sent me a message and said it wasn't personal, but he had already conversations with Andy Pettit. They had been best friends and kind of what was in his mind, in his family's mind. But he absolutely had no qualms in our situation here. Close quote from Kenny Williams. Bullshit. The man just didn't want to play here. He, he didn't want to. He, he didn't feel it in, um, in his heart. 2010, I think also, if I recall correctly, that was the, a great year. That was the, what was it? They went 25-5 and five in a 30-game stretch. That yeah. was like the Andrew Jones year, Juan Pierre. Not a great team by any any means, but again, that's the old Sox mentality where it's like, 
you know, try to prop this up as much as we can, try to shine it up real nice and, you know, <laughs> trade away prospects to, to make the team better. And ultimately it wasn't very good. But, yeah, I think that was – they had a 25-5 and five stretch that year. So I'm sure that was in the midst of that, trying to acquire Lance Berkman and just try to see if we can capitalize and steal one more World Series. But, yeah, I don't think Lance Berkman would have helped that team that year. I'm trying to remember no, why. when he got traded to the Yankees too, what, by was, the way. Yeah, he was. Was that after they let Tommy go – when they let when they just cut him and then he went to the twins was that that same year like why would that they seems like it yeah because like paulie was still there and still productive so i don't i don't remember why what the context was for that year but i think it was tommy was hurt on the decline maybe and then they just needed someone to fill that gap because you know he saw andrew jones hit his 400th home run in a white Sox uniform what a weird team that year you know uh but man already 10 years ago but yeah that's so hopefully the the, the culture i think the culture's already changed but the, the one last thing that they have to – the one last hurdle they have to climb over is the top-tier free agents. You know, and I don't even know if they're going to pursue Trevor Bauer. They absolutely should. Uh, but if if they want to really get all these stereotypes out of the way and put them to bed for good, then they'll round out this roster, like I said, and give Len Casper a World Series team to call a World Series, hopefully, championship for. Yeah, it, Mark Kotze was getting most of the DH uh, responsibilities <laughs> that year. Oh, oh Jesus God. Christ. That was like Scott Pacetic too, Electric Boogaloo. They brought him back that year, I think. You know, trying to get uh, the band back together, maybe. Not right? that year. Was that on? Um, yeah. T was on. T time was on the team. Unnecessary oh, why Jason Nix was on the team, too. Oh, Mark T in. Oh, God. <laughs> Thanks. Now you ruined my Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> well, Paulie hit 39. I'm and, saying, uh, yeah. Carlos Quinton hit 26. We're, we're having some power, some offensive power. <laughs> Alex Rivers hit 21 home runs. Yeah, those good times. Yeah, God damn it. God, we went through some shit. <laughs> now, imagine the, all the, the, the. This is the. This is the Shawshank Redemption. 500 yards of shit. Yeah, good th- That was one of the good years. <laughs> yeah, and now we're on the other side. We're fucking freedom. What was their record at twenty ten? We're almost at the bank. What, we, huh? how, what did they finish in twenty twenty ten? What was their record? I'm assuming you got it there. Eighty eight and seventy four. Oh god, that was a successful year in White Sox standards yeah. in the past decade. <laughs> Yikes! They finished out of first place by six games. The Minnesota Twins won that. Dude. Yeah, what that was? Was think that was the year where Matt Thornton gave up that walk off bomb to Jim Tomey. In, in Minnesota, yeah, that was just that was horrendous. Yeah, I yeah. Just, Jim Tomey was the DH. He played 108 games for the Minnesota Twins. Okay, yeah. So they must have let uh, Tomey go late in in Jesus, he had a great year too. Of course he did. Oh my Three, god, uh, two two eighty three four twelve on base, six twenty seven slugging. Oh god, Jesus. Now Christ, he was great. God, this is a weird team. The 2010 Sox. You had we had Chris Sale in his rookie year. Burley was still there. Um, you had Edwin Jackson, Dracomasar was there, Daniel what Hudson. What about Thanks? Yeah, Thanks was there, yes. What about Thanks? Thank you very much. Um, yeah, and uh, Daniel Hudson was there, and, uh, you know, maybe Daniel Hudson will return. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> life, you know, time is a flat circle, so maybe he'll come back. But, yeah, what a weird team. Donnie Lucy. <laughs> oh, Gosh. Sergio Santos saving games. Oh, what a time to be alive. Uh, trust me, you didn't miss anything. Actually, actually, Bobby Jenks was still on the team. I guess Sergio Santos wasn't the closer at that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Filthy, so. though. Absolutely. All right. That's all I got. Uh, Herb, I will see you tomorrow morning as we record our Joe Cowley episode. Uh, the next episode you guys will be hearing will be Mailbag Monday. We've got a lot of uh, submissions for that, so looking forward to doing that. But, yeah, next week 
uh, depending on how many email episodes we do, I'm thinking Wednesday will be the Joe Cowley episode part one where we talk to veteran White Sox reporter now covering the Bulls for the Sun-Times, but Joe Cowley will give us his thoughts on why he believes Mark Burley is a Hall of Famer, and I can't wait for that. All right, so that is Chris Tannehill. Follow him on Twitter at Chris Tannehill. My name is Herb Lawrence. Ecknawall23 is how you follow me. And the show is at Locked on Socks on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to participate in the Mailbag Monday, which we have a lot of submissions for, for already, LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Send your questions or comments there. So for Chris Tannehill, my name is Herb Lawrence. Thank you for joining us for this 83rd edition of Locked on Socks. 83.